You are listening to The Progressive Flutist, a conversation on classical music in the 21st century between Shantanique Moore and Brandon LePage. More information at www.theprogressiveflutist.com. Welcome back to The Progressive Flutist. Today we are doing our second episode on auditions, which is all about preparation. And we figured who better than to join us for this than resident audition guru extraordinaire, Sharon Sparrow. Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for being with us today. So I'm going to start off with a couple of questions. The first thing I was kind of wondering is, the book is titled Six Weeks to Finals, your book that you have out. But between coaching with you and also what you kind of have written at the beginning, you say that this actually starts more like eight weeks beforehand. And I was wondering if you could give a little bit more specifics on that and what those first two weeks would entail. So even before the six weeks begin, you have to start the six weeks in the best shape you've ever been in. So if you're just trying to get in shape six weeks before, it's not going to work for you. Eight weeks is kind of like a minimum. So those two weeks before is kind of like boot camp. You have to think of it as like boot training camp, just like um, the football players, you know, before their season starts, they go for two week boot camp. And that's when you're going to get a handle on all of your skills. So yes, you want to do your scales with a metronome. You want to make sure you're doing articulation exercises with a metronome. Make sure your tongue is in shape. Um, You want to do your best tone exercises using harmonics, using crescendos, diminuendos, so that you come to the table six weeks before with the skills that you're going to need to start the preparation there. You can't just start skill building then. And so for some people, it's way more than eight weeks because it'll take them a little bit longer to get in their best shape possible. But then people who are already in great shape, like say, I know like some people at conservatory universities, they're doing this this skill building all the time. Yeah, that was actually a question I had was student versus. Yeah, well, they have the time. You know, when you're playing the job every day or you have other, many other things going on, it's very hard to be in that kind of shape honestly. So there's something I say in the book that was the biggest misconception when you're playing a job to think, oh, well, I can just do this. And because I play the job every day, but it's not true. It's a different kind of shape you have to be in. Because when you sit in orchestra, you don't play, you know, you play your little part. I shouldn't say little, (laughs) but you play your part and it doesn't last for a long time. But I can't say that playing an orchestra every day always equals being in the best shape possible. Now, students who are required to play, you know, two or three etudes a week for their teacher, memorize etudes, super hard etudes, are required to do tonguing things, are have to play their scales at a you know certain metronome mark, are right on top of that. So their skill building is ongoing, whereas we sometimes lapse in that when we're playing the job. Oh, bit. I forget all the time. I, I don't play etudes regularly always now that I'm working because you're constantly like, okay, what's next week? Yeah. What's next week? Right. There isn't the time for it. And you treat the music on the stand as your etude. Yeah. Like I, I have a pop show to play this week of all movie music and there's plenty of etude-ish things in it and I wouldn't have time to learn a few etudes on top of that and be in, you know ready to play what it takes. So. Thank you. Your book is filled with a lot. So 
the biggest question I'm sure you get asked this all the time, and I know I've asked this of you, is how to tackle everything in the book when you are doing other things full-time as well, like finding time in your schedule. Do you have any insight into that? I do, actually, and you are right. It takes a lot of time, but you have to treat it. If you want to do this system um, for audition success, you really have to block out the time, but it's six weeks. I mean, six weeks is not a long time, so it's hard to say no to certain things, but you have to learn to say no. If somebody wants you to teach an extra student, you have to say no or be on a committee if you're already in an orchestra and, and, and they're forming committees for this and that and you think, oh, well, I'm going to do that. You know, take a break from those things because I, I treat it almost like the Olympics. The Olympics come up once every four years. And let's say somebody gave you a system where in six weeks, if you did this system, you could really prepare for the Olympics. Would you be doing a lot of outside things? I mean, obviously you have to maintain students and money in your bank account and all that. But there really are a lot of things you can say no to and you should because the system is also stacked. The beginning three weeks take a lot of time. The first three weeks, that's what's going to take the most time. And you're going to find even if you're doing a job, you're like, how can I get through this entire list? You know, how can I shuffle my cards, do six cards a day and and in the nitty gritty way that is suggested in the book, how can I do that? And actually play my job and raise my kids and yeah. you know do what I need to do. It does take a lot of time and I think that it just takes you have to commit to that time. I mean I remember doing it when my kids were little and putting them to bed and starting at ten o'clock and not finishing till three. Wow. Just because that I would have a card left on the stand and I'd be like, I can't go to bed till this card is done. And so there were some short days in those first, you know, short nights in those first three weeks. And this brings up a question, too, that I have, though, about knowing your limits as well, though. Because when I first started using your book, I took it to an extreme, to the point where the next day I would go to practice and I'd have no chop. It would take me forever to get my face back in. And so now... I have told myself if I can't get done what I need to get, I mean, it depends on the size of the list, but I try to get it done in three hours because I know that if I practice more than three hours on top of maybe a two and a half hour rehearsal, plus maybe something else, my face won't be dead. Mm -hmm. So finding limits for yourself is, can be really hard too. Right. And you don't want to, I know that feeling of feeling like, wow, you've overplayed. So the next day you feel like you can't play anything. I really, that's where the two weeks that we just talked about before comes in. You got to build it up so that, you know, if you're playing eight hours a day of scales and etudes and, you know, things like that, you're not going to get tired uh, of so it's five like, hours of okay, playing. Endurance and, building. Too. It is. Those Stamina. two weeks use for endurance as yeah. well. Because you will, you know, once you start, the, if you're starting cold and you've, you know, you've come out of five hours of rehearsal or four hours of rehearsal and then you start drawing cards then your face is going to get tired unless it's ready, you know, unless it, you're used to blowing eight hours a day or, you know, going through three or four etudes in a row. It's a, you will build up a little bit more chops, I think. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't serve you well to overplay either, as to your point. Yeah, that's, that's always the hardest thing for me. But the first three weeks do tax you. It is taxing. It is, it will build your endurance and it does take a lot of your time. There's no way around it. 
But then the next three weeks don't. They It takes your time up in a different way. So it's kind of set up to do that right there. And then you've built up the endurance. And then you start doing other things. You, you figure in other things to get ready for the audition. Now, you had something, Shantanique, that you wanted to talk about with the book. Because you have your, your triangle that you talk about in it. Right. So it's not a marathon, but a triathlon, right? So not only are you practicing your excerpts and your, your conditioning prior to, but one thing that you mentioned that I really, um, I really connect with is the mental training. I, I feel like for me and for a lot of us that spend most time just playing our instruments, we neglect the mental aspect of it. And then once we get to the audition, we're surprised by how by the tricks that our minds play mm-hmm. on us. And we don't know how to combat those those feelings and those those things that just happen. So I know you mentioned in your book, but off the top of your, your head, like what are your favorite things to do? For mental training. I know you have some books that you like to read. Do you meditate at all? Definitely. I start meditating right when the six weeks start. I do it actually regularly, but I also recommend that that becomes part of your six weeks. Oh my gosh, the mental training is so important and the most neglected. Yeah. You know why? Because we're not trained in it. We're trained. We're taught how to practice. We know how to practice. We are comfortable practicing. So we'll practice. If somebody says, get ready for an audition, the first thing you think of is locking yourself in the practice room. Right. <laughs> the first thing is not you think of is not sitting yourself down in a chair and meditating and trying to make it, you know, your, get your mind in the right place. But honestly, that's the thing that derails most good players yeah. in an audition way beyond their fingers. Um, Billie Jean King says that in her book, she has a, she's a famous tennis player and she has a book called Pressure is a Privilege. And, you know, she just says that your mind will, will fail you way before your skills will. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's what you need to train. That is an excellent book, by the way. Pressure is a Privilege by Billie Jean King. I love sports books. The Mental Game by James Lohr, L-O-E-H-R, is another absolute favorite of mine. And I recently read a book called The Champion's Mind. Ah. Do you have, yeah, you have I that. have it. Yeah, I, made you <laughs> I, got, I got halfway through it for my last audition, and yeah, I love it. I it can't just, wait to go back to it. It has, it, and I keep a journal. Uh, one day I'm going to publish my journal of notes. That'll be good. From, yeah. I'm going to have to get rights from all these people, but I'm going to publish a journal that I've kept for, you know, 30 years basically of all the books I've read and the quotes that motivate me, inspire me, resonate with me. Um, train me basically to be a performer and an auditioner because you have to, and I'm training all my students to do this now too at um, in my flute class at Oakland I, I gave them all of my books I just one day brought them all in and set them down I go everybody pick one and then now you're all going to start your journals and this is part wow. of your training too but we don't I, I don't think there's enough training on this when people are young and you know they're going to be performers they have to train their mind too yeah well and I just recently said to Shantanique that I've started to notice that sometimes the people who win these jobs aren't necessarily the strongest person at the audition but they're the ones who are going in there with this just blind confidence in themselves just Mm -hmm. absolute like I am the best person I can be and I'm here and I'm playing my ass off kind of thing 
And that mental training helped me the most in the last audition. I finally allowed myself to give over to it more than I ever have, I guess is the best way to put it. And it was, I've never felt like that. Just steel cold confidence. Isn't that such a great feeling? Confidence is also earned. Um, the first book that I learned this with is Rick Pitino's book, Success is a Choice. Uh, and that's where it really taught me that, you know, you earn that confidence. So when you just mentioned about, well, how do you do, you have to put in all that time in the first three weeks. It's not only time on your face, but it's time in your head knowing you did it. Because mm -hmm. then when you arrive at the audition, you're like, yeah, I'm the one who stayed up to 3 a.m. I'm the one who finished my cards every single day, even though I had this, this, and this going on. I'm the one who did this. I remember when I went on an audition, thinking at the audition, before I even played a note, I just was thinking, you know what? Nobody here could have prepared like I prepared. Wow. Nobody prepared the way that I prepared. And I am so ready for this. So it's earned. Confidence is certainly earned. It's earned in sports. It's earned in auditions. You can't fake confidence. There's another, um, John Wooden, who's a basketball, was a basketball coach, has a series of books out there. And um, it's very interesting just how he coached his team. But he, he had a very, very competent team who, who won many NCAA championships. But he taught them how to earn that confidence. You have to earn it. It doesn't just come. Wow, but it's great to have. Point. Yeah, that's an incredible yeah. point. So you said that you meditate every day. I do. So this has nothing to do with performance. I mean, you perform every single week and, you know, auditions may come up. But that's something that you do every day. Do you read these mental training books outside of your performance or audition preparation? I do. Just be. I always do. Okay. Actually, I always have a new book. Okay. So when I finished one, like I finished The Champion's Mind, and now I'm reading Apollo Ono's book, who is a Olympic speed skater. Okay. I'm just, it, that, that's just my passion. I feel like I learned so much from that, and I, there's something to learn from every book. So every time I finish one, it leads me to another. So I'm always doing that. I just find that that's not only good for my performing, but just me as a person, just growing as a person. I always feel like I'm growing as a person with every new book that I read. Yeah, it bleeds into every aspect of yeah. your life, I've yeah, noticed. Yeah, it really does. I read um, Feel the Fear and Do It Anyways. I've said this to Shantanique like 30 times yeah. in the last two months um, when I was getting ready for my last audition. And I can't believe how much it has affected every aspect of my life. And I never would have... I never would have done it if I hadn't read your book and was going towards this audition. It's so strange. Yay. But I'm so thankful. Yeah, it, it's just for every aspect of life. And it's just so important. And for me, these books are not passive reading. I don't just have it, you know, somewhere. I always have a journal right next to it. And it's active reading. So I'll read, I'll think about it, and I'll write stuff down. Hmm. So these, this kind of reading for me is always active reading. That's important because I feel like a lot of times people, someone may read your book and say, okay, well, I've got my, my mental training book here. And then they set out to read the book and then they just read it. Yeah. It's, it's that won't do anything for you. Mm -hmm. Start your journals, you know, and then when you meditate, when you set aside meditation time, when you're, if you, you want to do that, then you have certain quotes and then you take like five or six quotes from that. And while you're doing your deep breathing and clearing your mind, fill your head with those six quotes. 
you know, take those and use use that time to build up your confidence. I say them out loud to myself. Yay. I us, have tell us about your new what you do. My chanting. <laughs> yeah, your chanting. I have <laughs> yeah, this is how I've I think that's the other key too is finding how this meditation works for you personally. Every morning now, I play my little Tibetan singing bells and I light my <laughs> incense and I light a candle. And I literally sit there for 10 or 15 minutes and I pick what what quotes I'm using. So uh, now that I don't have a big audition this second, it's like, I am a fabulous flute player. Mm -hmm. Uh, I am an amazing, wonderful musician. And then other things that just apply to daily life. And I literally repeat them out loud to myself five times each with a smile on my face and nodding yes. And when I'm done, I can just... You feel it. My whole body feels completely different completely different that's awesome and that's how it works for me Mm -hmm. it's so important it's really important i'm glad that you shared that because people will like they might try that now or they'll think oh i did that or i've been afraid to try that or like who does that and like people do that people really do do that and when you read these sports books too you'll find out that these people who have been very successful at their athletic in their athletic field all do this. They start they they don't neglect the mental training side at all. You know, a friend of mine uses this cute little quote, which is in my head all the time: "Your words are your wand." So I love that. It's like your magic wand. Your words are your wand. That's great. Yeah. So whatever you magically want to wave that wand, those are what your words wow. are. Your That's words really are great. your wand. And that's, that's so, so true. Mental training is a little bit more, I mean, there are other ways to mental train that people need to investigate. So meditation is great. Um, reading the books and journaling are great. There's a whole other side of mental training, which is visualization and doing the virtual mock audition mm-hmm. where you don't even put your flute in your hand, but you can go through the entire audition in your head from beginning to end, from standing backstage to last note on stage, finishing it, hearing yourself play, watching yourself play, watching yourself feeling good, enjoying the moment. The whole visualizing and visual mock is super important. I know, Shantanique, this is, you're really big on that. Yeah, I found that getting inside of my own head and just like, you know, developing the ability, the skill to visualize. Because in the beginning, when I first started working with you, Sharon, and this was even before your book came out, you talked about visualizing and the positivity, the images and the the words that you speak to yourself, they need to be positive. I had a hard time seeing myself in the audition, in my mind, in Mm -hmm. mindsight, right? So that is a skill I think that people need to develop. You need to work on a little bit every day. It's like, Try to visualize yourself externally because really like if you could see yourself on stage giving that audition, playing really well, that'll help you in your development. Yeah, it's definitely an important element Um, in Apollo Ono's book that I'm reading now. He talks about injury and how he was injured at one point and there are athletes who suffer injury close to the time of their big event. So he said he had learned how to mental, mentally train and do visualization. And so he did that all the time like because he couldn't skate. He couldn't do mm-hmm. his sport. He just believed that that was as strong 
for him as actually doing the motions. And he, when he finally was able to skate again, he hadn't lost a beat. Wow. He hadn't skipped a beat. That's amazing. Because he'd done it in his head so many times. Yeah. So that works well for flutists and instrumentalists too. If you're for some reason... Not like getting a tooth ripped out of your body. <laughs> right. So spend that extra time that you would spend practicing. Spend it on mental training. Spend it visualizing the event. And and you'll be you won't miss a beat when you go back. It's really true. It sounds some people think, oh, that's not true, but it, it's so true. You have to get the book, six weeks to finals. The complete system for audition success. Yeah, and if any two people have drank the Kool-Aid, it's Shantanique (laughs) and I. (laughs) So what does a typical day look like, especially for someone as busy as you? I mean, you've got your orchestra job. You've got your teaching studio, multiple teaching studios, Mm -hmm. and whatever else you might have passion projects that you're working on. How would you structure your day to incorporate everything? You mean, well, so you mean... While you're preparing. While you're preparing. Yeah. Yeah. So you just, there's also for me, that's why six weeks is so lovely to me because it puts a start date and an end date on things. Because what I do during those six weeks, I could not do for an unlimited amount of time. I couldn't do it for six months. I certainly could not do it for a year. So to me, I, it's like almost, I put a badge on myself saying in training, So for six weeks, I'm in training, and my life is different from the rest of my life for those Mm -hmm. six weeks. Everything is under a microscope, so I have to make extra time. I say no to extra things. I don't... I mean, I do drink coffee, but, you know, (laughs) some people say, oh, I didn't drink coffee for that time, or I cut out alcohol or whatever, or I ran or I, you know, pumped up my body. So you have to figure out for you, what does in training mean? And thank God there's like a definite end to it because you couldn't do it all the time. Sorry to interrupt, but do you have then any advice about people who are taking multiple auditions in a row. That's yeah, good. I get that. That's because yeah. I'm sure you do because like you're at a point now where if you take an audition, it's probably like one very specific one. But someone like me, I have like three or four coming up. Right. All right. that I want to take and be ready for because I'm looking for that one full-time job. And when over how long a time period are those? I mean, sometimes they're within 4 weeks of each other even. So it's that's actually good, and it's a really good question. I do get that a lot. Um, you have to if you know the lists for all of them, then you make one big list, mm. and then you divide the cards that way instead wow. of just doing it for one audition. And you know what? The the cards are almost always the same, give or take. You know, depending on it's a second flute or piccolo or whatever. If you're doing a totally different instrument like piccolo, it gets a little dicey. But um, <laughs> the the cards are almost all the same. If you put four auditions next to each other, you wouldn't have that many different excerpts on them. The other thing is that the nitty gritty will be less because you, if you've done it for one audition and let's say another one comes up two months later, your nitty gritty is going to be like already solid. Mm. So it is not going to take you so long once you try to do the metronome and the tuner and the phrasing, you know, the evaluating of the recording for that it's going to go by so much quicker because you're already have established that so, you know, like very near to that time. But 
yeah, the six weeks time. So it really is like somebody should make a sticker saying in training and you put that on there. It's almost like, don't talk to me. Don't ask me to come to your house. I don't, I'm not going to any movies. I'm not doing this. I'm in training because it takes, you know, so much time in the beginning to do that. So there is no typical day, Okay. but you have to get up a little bit earlier to make sure that your, your warm up is set and solid all the time. And then you have to set aside time to do what? I'm laughing because some people, man, some people in their early times does not work for them. (laughs) No, I know. I'm an early bird. Six weeks. I know. It's just six weeks. It's not forever. Yeah. Six weeks training. So you have to make sacrifices, right? I think think that's what you're saying. Yeah. It's, It's an event. And that's the other. So there's the third part of the triangle. An audition is an event. Right. Or a recital. You can use the book for a recital. You can use the book for a jury. You can use it for whatever you want. Six weeks to whatever your event. But you have to treat it like an event. Like the Olympics is an event. It's a big deal. An audition is a big deal. You put a lot of time and money into the audition. Mm -hmm. So you have to treat it as an event. It's not just another day of going to work or playing the flute or whatever. So you have to train for the event. Which means... The whole mock audition thing really is so much more important than people ever think. I, I don't know how people can walk into an audition without ever doing a mock trial of actually a live auditioning. one. Yeah. With other people. Yeah. Not just like for your recording, for your recording device. device. Yeah. Well, I mean, you can do a bunch for your recording device and you can actually do a bunch visually without even playing your flute, but um, the ones that you do for other people are, are certainly important because you learn so much from that. It's that always that second chance and that third chance. And someone who um, recently won an audition, I was talking to him about it. And I said, well, you know, just trying to get feedback. I'm like, well, did you do any mock auditions? He's like, yeah, I did 30 mocks. Wow. I'm like, 30, oh my God. 30 mocks like for your recording. No, no, I set up 30 mock auditions. I played a mock audition every day for 30 days. Wow. And so, so the audition was so easy for me. So imagine if we were able, I mean, that's that's, again, extreme, but he felt so comfortable at the event and he also earned the confidence mm-hmm. through doing that but he set up 30 mocks and 30 well especially days. if you're a student or someone who's not performing week after week and you're not put in those high pressure situations right like that's got to be really great mm-hmm. well while we have you on the phone as they say for the last <laughs> little bit of time do you have any experiences at auditions or crazy stories that you are comfortable sharing with us there's some in the book. It's kind of funny. It's, it's, like a, it's like a live and learn kind of situation every audition. It's funny because I can write about them now, but at the time I'm like, oh, why did I do that? Yeah. <laughs> I just remember once, um, I think it was San Antonio a million years ago, where I had passed the, the pre- preliminary round and I was waiting for semifinals. And I was so hungry, I didn't even consider bringing snacks or all those things that you should know to do if you are really prepared. So I ran out and I got frozen yogurt. And I'm not a frozen yogurt person. And so first of all, the brain freeze nearly killed me. Um, <laughs> and then I ran back and we drew numbers and I drew number one after, you know, just, and they're like, they'll be ready for you in 10 minutes. And I'm like, but, but, oh, my brain is frozen. And my mouth was frozen and I could not get a sound on the flute to save my life. I mean, it was over before it started. So yeah, that's why it's like, if nobody, nobody ever told me, they're like, plan ahead, you know, plan what you're going to eat weeks ahead, know what you're going to eat, know what, 
you're not going to eat. Know what you can't put in your mouth. No, see, for me, I can't brush my teeth 30 minutes before I play because I can't play for some reason. Wow. I, I'm, I'm totally like that. No brushing my teeth right before I play. It gives me this dry cotton mm-hmm. mouth thing. I and... can't play anything. But then again, <laughs> do you really want to figure that out at an the audition you paid $500 to go to? So that's part of the training, too, is really kind of keeping a journal of what works. I um, play competitive tennis, and I started trying to do do that for tennis, and I learned that <laughs> if I ate a cheeseburger two hours before a match, like a singles match, which would be outside in like the hot, hot weather, that I had great energy, and it was like my <laughs> stomach felt great. So every match, <laughs> two hours before I'd eat a cheeseburger. Wow. <laughs> but it's just kind of figuring out what works for you and adding that to the mix. I also remember um, this one audition and I put this example in the book, which is kind of funny, is that I didn't learn the whole part. I just learned the solo part. And then they You've up... told me this story before, and it, it I carry this story with me because <laughs> I'm constantly afraid this is going to happen. It's frightening. <laughs> so they put up deafness, like the end, 214 to the end. And it said clearly on the page, 214 to the end. Although I just practiced till, you know, who would ever play those last two lines? I go, da 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 so I don't think I ever played them, ever in my whole life. And I got there, and they wanted to hear all, literally, to the end. So I whizzed through, through all the hard part. <laughs> perfect, perfect. And then I get to the end, I'm like, and I was like, reading, I'm like, is it E sharp? Is it F sharp? What is it? And there's like dead silence. And so they're like, with the candidate, Please try that again. So again, I could rewind, play from 2.14, whiz right through it, get to that part. I was like, and they're like, thank you. That's the worst. I couldn't play it. It's not hard. I just had never, ever looked at it. So now it's like every single note that's on that list is going in my bank. I've stored that in my bank. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for spending this time with us today. Um, thank you I'm, for inviting me. This is such a wonderful thing you guys are doing. This is so great for our flute community. Thank you. I do have one thing. Uh-huh. Do you have one piece of advice for flutists entering the audition circuit? Just one thing that you could, like, from Sharon Sparrow to all entering the audition circuit. Uh-huh. <laughs> one thing is don't take it personally. Make mm-hmm. it your personal journey. Okay. Don't care so much about the outcome. Auditions are such a wonderful opportunity for every flutist. So treat it as a wonderful opportunity. You won't have any opportunity to improve your skills as much as you will than if you enter the audition circuit. Really try to obtain some kind of joy from the knowledge that you got better. And every time you do it, you're going to get better. That's beautiful. Thank you. You're so welcome. Yeah. Well, this wraps up another episode of The Progressive Flutist. You can visit us at www.theprogressiveflutist.com. And thank you again, Sharon. Thank Thank you. Bye.